everyone, welcome to The Totally Well Show. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. The Totally Well Show is a place where we get curious, ask questions, and explore everything to do with health, wellness, fitness, and all the things it takes to help you live the highest quality, most fulfilling life. I'm here today with my guest, Sherry Keating. Sherry is an RN, BSN, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified Dementia. dementia practitioner. Mm -hmm. So lots of education there. And I know you've worked um, in, uh, in, in um, critical care. I did. For a lot, a lot of years as an RN. Yes. Um, and so a very interesting background. We've chatted for a while on the phone, but this is a chance for me to get up close and learn more about you. So just back up, way, way back. Um, where'd you grow up? I'm an army brat. Okay. So I actually everywhere. You have lived, everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> I was actually born in Groton, but I actually have lived everywhere. I've lived in Germany. I've lived in the States. I've lived in Hawaii. So we grew up all over the place. And the fact that you were born in Groton is like, whoa, I, I know. know anybody who was born in Groton. So that's awesome. Um, and then Came full circle. Yeah. And then there. how did you get into nursing in the first place? What brought you into nursing? You know what? I've always wanted to be a nurse from when I was a little girl. My brother always wanted to be a doctor and he's a, a physician, a cardiologist in Boston. And I'm a nurse and I don't know, it's just something that I've wanted to do since I was a child. Yeah. You know, I have a theory that we, we do know what we want. Um, it somehow gets, sometimes we're lucky enough to follow that or get back to it. In my mm -hmm. case, I think I had to get back to it, but I think we know early on who we are. And um, so that's really cool to hear yes. that you followed your, your dream there. I did, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what made me, it wasn't like I had a mom who was a nurse or a dad who was a physician. I just, just something I wanted to do. Yeah. So yeah. I'm glad it, it, it worked out that way because I love it. So you've taken a lot of, from our conversation um, previous, you've taken a lot of um, detours, scenic routes in your life. <laughs> I like the way you put that. <laughs> to get you to where you are now with mm. this, um, with your own business. So you are the founder of Diabetes Care Consulting. Yes, I am. And care is spelled with a K. So it's diabetescareconsulting.com. Um, can you tell me about what that organization does and that company does? So uh, a little backtrack. So my nursing career, actually, I've been a nurse for over 35 years. Okay. And I've actually worked mostly at Burbank Hospital when it was Burbank Hospital. Now it's Health Alliance, yeah. the Burbank campus. But I, had, I started as a candy striper. Oh, wow. And high school and with my little <laughs> pink pinafore. And, and then I went on to nursing school at Fitchburg State, and I worked as a nurse's aide at the Burbank Hospital for my four years in nursing school. And then I graduated, and I, I had a job on nights, and I went into the ICU for about 13 years. And I always wanted to see what, what, what happened after someone had a heart attack. Where did they go next? What happened in the next step? So I became a per diem nurse in cardiac rehab okay. at the hospital. Um, and I worked there, and then they, Burbank and Lemonster Hospitals merged and became Health Alliance. And so I was bumped out of my position and went into cardiac rehab, and then I was bumped out of my position and kind of bumped out of the hospital. And um, I stayed per diem. But then I was given an opportunity to go to Athol and start a diabetes, uh, cardiac rehab program for them. So I ended up doing that. 
And but my heart was always back at Burbank because that's where I had my whole career. So I had an opportunity about five years later to go back to uh, Lemonster and start a diabetes education program, mm -hmm. which I did. And then the job of my dreams came up, and that was being the supervisor of cardiac rehab. So I, I became the manager after that, and so I had the ideal job. And then uh, in 2013, I was laid off. So after that, I was uh, no longer working for the hospital, and I was kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I actually um, was hired by Reliant and became a telephonic diabetic nurse. Mm -hmm. And then I was laid off a year later. So I did have a lot of bumpy roads in that short period of time. But after that, um, I sat for the Certified Diabetes Educator exam. And I believe when one door closes, another door opens. And that's exactly what happened. So I became a Certified Diabetes Educator. And then I was literally on Google saying, what can you do? as a certified diabetes educator and not get laid off. Literally, I was just typing, typing in these things seriously. In, yeah. And this little ad, it's amazing how Google knows. <laughs> so they put this little ad and it said the diabetes prevention program. And I thought, diabetes is preventable? I had no idea. All these years in diabetes and I had no idea. So I was very curious. I just want to, I want to just pause and absorb what you just said there. Of all the education from nursing school and working in in the field mm -hmm. as intensely as you have, there was no education provided to you or information provided to you to focus on the prevention. No, it was <coughs> management. I know. It was, I wish, you're absolutely right. It was an eye opening. When that little ad popped up, I'm like, wow. I've been a nurse for how many years and I'm teaching people how to manage diabetes, but we're not talking about really the science behind prevention. And there is definitely science behind prevention, uh -huh. but I was uneducated on that. So, you know, when you go to nursing school, you, you're a nurse, but you don't, you know, you nursing, learn disease, you learn drugs, right, you learn, right. yeah. but a nurse isn't a nurse isn't a nurse. So nurses specialize in all different fields. And I did have a lot of um, education in diabetes, but it was just about management. So you're right, that is a huge like, whoa, wow moment. So I met somebody who is um, actually working in the field of diabetes prevention and they, um, they introduced me to the Department of Public Health, Max Alderman, who was actually heading the Massachusetts Diabetes Prevention Program. So I ended up becoming a lifestyle coach and mm -hmm. it's a CDC program, it's based on a research from 1999, 2001, and what they found is they actually found that if you um, work on behavior modification, you lose five to seven percent of your body weight through lowering your fat and exercising 150 minutes a week. You can reduce your risk of developing type two diabetes by 58 to 71 percent. Wow, that is huge. Yeah, and so now they've started these diabetes prevention programs, and they are taking uh, across the country and they are offering these one-year programs to people to prevent diabetes because we really do have a huge diabetes and pre-diabetes epidemic. So I became this life coach and then I said, okay, what am I gonna do now? I need to do something. There was this picture of this iceberg and at the tip of the iceberg, there was 30.3 million people that had diabetes, but under the tip of the iceberg was 84.1 million more that had pre-diabetes. Mm -hmm. And being somebody who worked in diabetes education, having an education and not even knowing we could prevent diabetes and that the science existed, thinking, wow, how many other people that don't have the education that I have don't know the science exists and that today's the day to make the difference. So I decided that I'm gonna go back to the hospital and say, listen, 
I'm trained, I want to start a diabetes prevention program because you can't do it on your own based on this program. So I went back to Health Alliance and they hired me as a per diem certified diabetes educator in the program I started in 2002, which was interesting. And um, I know, talk about full <laughs> circle. And they said when they started a program that I could start it. Well, it didn't start. And so I decided that I would do something on my own. I just knew in my heart I needed to do this. Yeah. So I started Diabetes Care Consulting. And um, my whole mission is to make a difference in the pre-diabetes epidemic that exists and to provide prevention education as well as management education for type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And so that was my goal. I was just going to go and start this company and teach one class on how take all the information I learned as a diabetes life coach in the diabetes prevention program and make a difference. My company has just evolved now into I help people prevent and manage diabetes is what the core mission of my company is. And I do that through community and continuing education programs for healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. So just to make sure I'm understanding, because this took me a while when we were chatting too, rather than going directly to the patients, yes. you're going to the people who take care of the patients. So you've broadened your reach to help more people. Yeah, so I wanted to hit the masses. Yeah. And so I offer education, not one-on-one -on -one health coaching yeah. like you do, but I offer group education classes to community organizations, to senior centers, to adult education programs. I would love to get into the workplace. I'd love to get into the schools. So they don't need to be healthcare providers to... I have two different tracks. One is a community program track, and that's the one that I'm talking about, the senior centers and... Okay. Um, you know, organizations I'd like to get into, like I said, the workplace and, and kids, because I believe really diabetes prevention starts in childhood. Mm -hmm. And then I have the professional track where I offer continuing ed programs for nurses and social workers. So I have 18 total programs and I have eight CEU. Those are the continuing education classes for nurses and social workers. Mm -hmm. And then I have the community programs, which I have, you know, 10, 11 of those programs. So it's all about education because we can prevent diabetes, but people need to understand what diabetes is, what pre-diabetes, and that it's a real thing, and then the lifestyle changes that we can start today to reduce our risk significantly. So as fascinating as your story is, um, it's just amazing how it all, and there's lots more I know about that I want to get into, but I want to make sure we have enough time to talk about mm -hmm. the most important things. Um, can we talk a little bit about those those subjects you just mentioned, pre-diabetes, diabetes, diabetes yes. the dementia angle, all of those? Yes, okay. absolutely. So pre-diabetes. Pre-diabetes is when you go to the doctor and he says to you, your sugar's a little high. It's You don't have diabetes, but your sugar's a little high. Pre-diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and what you're talking about with the dementia and the Alzheimer's, that's brand new research out of Brown University and that is diabetes of the brain. They all stem from what we call insulin resistance. Insulin resistance means that you, in your body, your pancreas actually makes insulin. There's specialized cells that make insulin. The role of insulin is varied in the body, but the main role of insulin is to control your blood sugar. So insulin, so these cells in your body, so you just eat breakfast and you're digesting your food now, okay? And out of your food, you've digested it and you've created sugar. We need sugar to make our body cells work properly. 
but the key to getting the sugar to go where it needs to go is insulin in the body, not in the brain, but in the body. So we need insulin to bring sugar to go in the cell to be utilized for fuel for our body to function properly. When we are insulin resistant, what that means is that we are still making insulin, but our body isn't using it properly. And what happens is, is that instead of the sugar going into the cells to be used for fuel, the sugar actually floats around in our bloodstream and it attacks our different body organs. So it's, it, it leads to diabetes, it leads to obesity, it leads to eye disease, kidney disease, nerve disease, heart disease, strokes, the list goes on and on. It's associated so with cancers. So sugar that's in our cells and being used for fuel is good, but it turns into a toxin in our bloodstream if it's not getting where it needs to go. Right. So it becomes, so it becomes, it causes disease. Yes. So we need to have a balance of a certain amount of sugar in our blood, but the excess of sugar in our blood leads to chronic disease. Mm -hmm. And so pre-diabetes means that your blood sugar is elevated, so you have some insulin resistance. You are making insulin, you're not able to use it properly for various reasons, and the sugar isn't getting into the cells where it's supposed to go, and so it floats around and starts to damage your organs. But when you go for a blood test, your sugar is a little high, but it's not high enough to be diagnosed with diabetes. Mm -hmm. That is the one time that you can make significant lifestyle changes from the Diabetes Prevention Program to reduce your risk of converting to type two diabetes. And so that's where we talk about losing five to 7% of your body weight, watching what you're eating and exercising 150 minutes a week. If you don't uh, make lifestyle changes, you are at risk for developing type two diabetes. And type two diabetes, you now have diabetes it's not curable, it's controllable, and um, that's when you're at higher risk for developing the chronic complications of eye disease, kidney disease, and nerve disease. So when you say it's not curable, you've got diabetes type two, does that mean some permanent damage has happened? Yes, yeah, so what happens is when you have insulin resistance, you're making insulin, you can't get the sugar to go in the cell, you have a lot of sugar floating around in your blood, your body, is an amazing machine. And what it's, it does is it says, okay, I need to make more insulin and keep pumping out insulin so I can get the sugar to go in the cell. What happens is it pumps and it pumps and it pumps and eventually it burns out the cells that make insulin. So not only do you become insulin resistant, you become insulin deficient. So that means that you are lacking insulin because those cells are burning out. So when, and you when, have, you, once they, when you say burnout, the islet cells we're talking about, yes. they die. They die, yes. And so you become it, unable to make as much exactly. insulin. So it's like a double whammy now. Right, yeah. so you're unable to make enough. So when you have prediabetes, you've probably burned out 50% of your cells that make insulin. When you have type 2, about 80%. Oh, wow. So And people don't realize that. So when they come in with type 2 diabetes and get diagnosed, they probably already have a complication because this process can take 10 to 20 years mm. to develop. Yeah. So 10 to 20 years of having elevated blood sugars that are attacking your other organs leads you to complications. So a lot mm -hmm. of people, when I used to see patients at the hospital, my first question would be, how are you doing? And the second question would be, how did you get diagnosed with diabetes? And you know what they would tell me? I had a heart attack. I had a stroke. 
I had numbness and tingling in my legs. I had bleeding. I went to the eye doctor and I had bleeding in the back of my eye. I was spilling protein in my urine. They had a complication of diabetes prior to being diagnosed because the process takes so long because the body tries to compensate. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's very important if you have risk factors that you need to be changing lifestyle habits, making sure you're going to the doctor to be blood tested yearly uh, to be to see if you have prediabetes or type 2 diabetes and then doing something about it. So screening, testing, and acting today are critical. What are some of the, the tests that you recommend people have to pick up early detection for diabetes? Okay, so prediabetes... Because I hear there's some controversy about things like A1C, which is could be uh, false falsely high related to blood cell life and so let's back up for pre-diabetes you can take a simple screening test okay. on my website or or I have a link right on my website it says take the pre-diabetes risk test you go on the website yeah. you take it it takes less than a minute yeah and you answer seven questions you add up your score if you score five or higher you're likely to have pre-diabetes and that's the screening. Even before a blood test. <laughs> Even before. Yeah. So you yeah. can take a screening test. So yeah. the risk factors for diabetes are over 45. Mm -hmm. you, are, you have a mother, father, sister, brother, or primary relative that has a history of diabetes. Mm -hmm. You are certain ethnic groups mm -hmm. have a higher risk of diabetes. You are a woman who had diabetes induced by pregnancy mm -hmm. uh, called gestational diabetes. You've delivered a baby nine pounds or higher. You have elevated blood pressure and cholesterol. They could be controlled, but you do have a history. So people need to understand that. They think, well, I don't have high blood pressure because I'm on medicine. I'm on medicine. Yeah. But if you have a history, you're at risk for diabetes mm -hmm. and cholesterol. And if you're inactive or have excess weight, especially around the belly. Mm -hmm. So if you have, if you're over 45, you have any one of those risk factors, you should take the diabetes risk test. And you can go on doihaveprediabetes.org and you can take the test there as well. So mm -hmm. there's multiple places to take the test. Once you take the test and you score five or, five or higher, what they recommend is you go for a blood test. Now there's three different blood tests, but you can, ha um, one of them or more, so the three tests are fasting blood sugar, you mm -hmm. fast eight to 12 hours, they do your blood test. Mm -hmm. If you score on your fasting blood sugar, 100 to 125, you have prediabetes, over 126, on two separate tests or two tests in the same day, then you have uh, diabetes. So over 126, under 126, between 100 and 125 is prediabetes. Mm -hmm. Over 126 is type 2 diabetes. Your A1C that you referenced. A1C is a camera snapshot looking backwards. What happens is your red blood cells live three months. And if your blood sugars are elevated in that three-month period of time, they attach to the red blood cells. Mm -hmm. And we can measure that. So you can go to the doctors, you don't need to fast because it's a camera snapshot looking backwards of how well your, your sugars have been controlled and how much excess has been floating around that's attached to the red blood cell. If you are 5.7 to 6.4, you have prediabetes. Mm -hmm. If you're over 6.5, you have type 2 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And the third test is what we call an oral glucose tolerance test. That's a longer test, you have to fast, they do your blood, you drink a concentrated drink mm -hmm. of high sugar, then they do your blood test two and three hours later. Uh, if you're 140 to 199, you have a, a prediabetes. If you're over 200, you have diabetes. But one of the two tests that they're probably gonna do are an A1C or fasting. Mm -hmm. A1Cs, if you have like anemia or you have certain um, 
types of medications that affect your red blood cells, that test you should not have. You should have a fasting blood sugar. Mm -hmm. But one of those two tests, if you fasting blood sugar, 100 to 125, A1C 5.7 to 6.4, you have prediabetes. Mm -hmm. More than 126 for your fasting, or more than 6.5% on your A1C and you have type 2 diabetes. What about um, fasting insulin? I know a lot of um, integrative practitioners do like to do a fasting insulin. Is that valuable? That's not a, a American Diabetes Association recommendation for mm -hmm. diagnostic testing for diabetes. I'm curious what you think. You know what? In, my, in, in all the years I have actually been practicing in that field, they don't, they, I haven't had anyone who's come in with a fasting insulin test. Okay. So it's either an A1C or a um, fasting blood sugar. Mm -hmm. Seems pretty obvious though with those kinds of numbers that you can put them in the proper category to know how to proceed. Absolutely, so yeah. screening was the first, the paper screening test yeah. tool, the American Diabetes Association. Um, and then if you score five or higher, you go into the testing. And then the action, acting today. If you have prediabetes, today is the acting day. It's mm -hmm. the window of time where you can reverse the process. Once you go into type two diabetes, reversing the process, it's more of controlling mm -hmm. your diabetes. So acting today, and with the 84.1 million people that we have that have prediabetes and 90% have no idea, mm -hmm. the education is critical. We need to be educating people that they can take a screening questionnaire, they can go and get blood tested, and then they can act today mm -hmm. and have significant reduction in their risk of type 2 diabetes. That's phenomenal to see. I mean, it doesn't take much to, to be just about anywhere today, go to a football stadium or go to the mall or go anywhere and see people who are carrying extra weight and... Obesity is huge. Insulin resistance is, uh, yes, obesity is the number one reason for insulin resistance. Now, in the brain, the brain can also have insulin resistance, and this is new research at a Brown University. They're calling it type three diabetes. Okay. And is this Is this the same disease or is this caused by the former? It is actually, they're all diseases of insulin resistance, but they manifest differently in different parts of the body. Okay. So the whole process is the same, only it's in a different organ. They're all diseases of insulin resistance. So what we need to do is we need to decrease insulin resistance. So if we're insulin resistant in the brain, so insulin in the brain, insulin has different functions throughout the body, but in the brain, insulin actually, um, works to help learning and memory, and it keeps the neurons and the brain cells alive and, and, and growing. So it's a very complicated research, um, but the bottom line is if we're insulin resistant and insulin isn't able to function properly, then we are going to increase our risk of cognitive decline and neurodegeneration, meaning that the neurons are gonna die and we're gonna have brain cell loss and our brain's gonna shrink and we're gonna get the same sort of um, pathology that you see in Alzheimer's disease. So what causes this in the brain? The, so the insulin resistance, just like insulin in the body, it's, it's we are not able to use insulin properly in the brain. So insulin, it's very technical, but insulin actually needs to attach to a receptor and then it causes a signaling cascade and that signaling cascade actually sends survival signals. And so it allows the cells to function properly. And um, in the memory and learning part of the brain, which is the hippocampus, 
if we are not able to send the signals, then we're not able for the uh, learning and memory process to work properly. Like I said, it's extremely, um, you know, complicated research, but the, the bottom line is insulin resistance can affect the organs in the body. It will manifest itself in different ways, whether it's obesity, whether it's type 2 diabetes, whether it's diabetes of the brain or type 3 diabetes. The bottom line is we have to control insulin resistance. We have to eat healthy. We have to exercise. And today is the day. Like m my whole philosophy is you start small and you make a change and then you make another change. So small changes equals big rewards at the end. Mm -hmm. And so we want to reduce insulin resistance and we have a huge, insulin resistance affects so many things, our heart. Our, 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 it affects diabetes, it affects our brain, it causes obesity, it causes heart disease, strokes. I mean, it is, it is the foundation for a lot of chronic diseases. So if we can eat healthier, and one of the things that Dr. D. Lamont, uh, she is out of Brown University, she's a neuroscientist that I met with, she really talked about plant-based, Mediterranean, um, there's a MIND diet, M-I-N-D, and it's for neuroprotection, it's for brain, it's a healthy way to eat for your brain. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's a lot of different healthy eating options and different foods that are very neuroprotective or helps our brain. And, and it really is healthy eating, more plant-based, going back to the basics, not having a lot of processed food. Nitrates are a huge thing. Nitrates actually, nitrates are in cured meats like hot dogs and bologna, salami. Um, it's even in fertilizer. So what happens with nitrates is they actually fed mice just a little bit of nitrates with high fat. So say a hot dog with some french fries. That, my, that mouse developed so many diseases. They developed diabetes pathology. They developed Alzheimer's disease. They developed fatty liver. They developed a lot of chronic diseases that relate to insulin resistance. So staying away from nitrates is huge. Eating a lot of lentils and plants-based, eating our healthy oils, having our fruits and vegetables, our whole grains, our low-fat dairy. My plate is such a great tool to help people to look at the way they're eating. And of course, portion control is very important. And then our timing of our meals. So there's a lot that goes into it, but it's really staying away from um, empty calories, which are our high-fat foods, our sodium, our extra sugar, and eating more nutrient-dense foods, which are our whole grains and our fruits and vegetables and um, our low-fat dairy. Mm -hmm. So so the standard American diet, which is also yeah. known as SAD, is, yes. is not that it was designed to make this happen, but now looking back yeah. um, is um, what is leading us into this epidemic. It really is. Yeah. So we really need to go back to the basics. So we only have a couple minutes left, and I did want to have a chance to ask you uh, quickly, uh, what top three things does it take you to be totally well? You know, Joyce, that's such a great question. For me personally, God needs to be first in my life. Um, I went through a very difficult time in my life, and, um, and then I became a born-again Christian. And for me, keeping God in focus in prayer and attending church and really just reading the Bible, those are very, very the core of, of what's important to me. Uh, I would say the second thing would be totally my health. I had a very rare cancer and I had a 50% chance of dying in six months from this cancer and eating and exercise were part of my life then and it really helped me to get through what I had to go through and so I would say 
concentrating on my health, watching, getting rid of toxins in my life and my personal products and my household products and really eating very healthy. And then the third thing I would say would be to be surrounded by my family and friends and having, you know, spending time with my beautiful grandchildren and my husband and my dogs and my family and my friends. I think that is definitely um, is what makes me totally well and doing what I love to do. I love being the, um, being able to uh, help people to make healthy lifestyle choices so they can live a longer, healthier, happier life. That's, so that's four. <laughs> <laughs> and one more time, how do people reach you? How do people find you? Okay, so I, Diabetes Care with a K Consulting, uh, .com is my website. Please go to the website, take the prediabetes risk test, find out if you have prediabetes, get blood tested, and then make some simple lifestyle changes. Um, I also can be reached on email, diabetescarewithakconsulting at gmail.com. And um, those are the two main ways that you can reach me. So I also have a TV show as well, Talk Me Healthy. I have a YouTube channel. And um, so LinkedIn, Facebook, all under Diabetes Care with a K Consulting. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing. I know there's a lot of information here, um, but getting us started at least to dig in and to start to build our tribe so we can work as a team to get this Absolutely. job done. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for Thanks, having me. It was Sharon. wonderful. It was thank wonderful you. to meet you too. Thank you. Thank you.